Welcome to the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. can all be here today. Hi, Danny. Um, I posted something this week in which I uh, once again reminded folks that Zazen does nothing. And uh, this always causes some people to ask me if Zazen does nothing, why do we do it? And I always answer very simply, because human beings, all we know is how to do something. We always have to be doing. We always have to be achieving, getting, running after something, pushing something away, judging, breaking up the world into friend and enemy, having wars with some of them, unfortunately. Uh, Others uh, sometimes feeling afraid for, disappointed about. We're always doing, doing, doing. There's tremendous power in simply letting be and doing nothing, you see. So this week I posted a little something and I said, if you stopped doing Zazen, what would it do for you? And I said, it would do nothing if you stopped by which I meant was you would just be your old self. You'd uh, be running after the next thing you're going to chase after. You'd be always wondering if you're getting ahead or falling behind. Time would keep on ticking. You'll have days when you'll get sick by feeling, feeling okay, Danny. She, she had a little something this week. That's not going to change. You'll still have people that are difficult, people that you love, people that you, well, don't love so much. But um, that's not going to change with Zazen. So what does Zazen do? That's our topic today. Zazen in its radical, shall we say, allowing, admitting, leaving alone of all things has tremendous power because those things remain. The clock is still going to get ticking. The years are still going to pass. You'll still get sick. Those people, those problems will still be there, but somehow not the same as before. This is all from the radical power of not doing. And one of the great models 
my wife and daughter are going off to Tokyo. See you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. One of the great models of something that admits and enlightens, illuminates whatever comes before it is the mirror. It's one of the traditional, how to say, images or uh, examples that uh, has been used in Zen for a thousand years to try to get the mind of Zazen across. And today we read Master Menzon's uh, explanation of this, which is just very clear, very nice. And I think we'll leave you better understanding the mind of Zazen. Now, first off, who was Menzon? Menzon was a great Soto priest in the 18th century who, shall we say, rediscovered Dogen. And in some ways, in some ways created the Dogen that we have today. Um, I'll explain that just briefly, but you know, Dogen was Dogen in the 13th century. And Dogen wrote the Shobo Genzo, which is not so easy to read. And what happened after Dogen's time is uh, Dogen's, shall we say, influence and the Shobo Genzo somehow was lost on some folks and somehow was put on the shelf sometimes. You know, people come to their Buddhism, their religion, I've spoken about it before, and they want other things. They want priest, will you chant for me so I have good luck in my, in my crops growing and uh, health and wealth. And a lot of the priests, that's what they, they did for people. But shall we say the, the real power of Master Dogen's teaching somehow took a back seat to that. And Master Menzon came along in the 18th century and he said, we have to rediscover, revive Dogen. There's nothing wrong with helping people who are worried about their health and their crops. This is a good thing, but Master Dogen was teaching something powerful, and we have to find that again. So Master Menzan was responsible in many ways for going back into Dogen's old writings, presenting them again, making sure they became more important again within Soto Zen, and uh, saying we cannot forget Dogen. Dogen had something extremely vital to say, and we have to not just put him on the shelf. Now, some of the things that Menzon, you know, Menzon actually had to piece together Dogen a little bit. Some of the things we do now that we consider very traditional is actually Menzon. For example, Kinhin, like we just walked, more Menzon than Dogen. The reason is, Dogen, in all his writings, never quite explained what he meant by kin hin or walking when you're not sitting zazen. He said some things about, for example, walk slowly or when you have to get up and you, and you have to leave the Zen, though, walk slowly. You know, he said, how, but there was not exactly the kin hin. So Master Menzon went to Dogen and also a lot of old books from China and this and that, and kind of piece together Kinhin. So the Kinhin as we walk it is kind of Menzon's 
piecing together what Dogen and, and some other sources meant. So there's a lot in our tradition that's more Menzon, actually, than Dogen. But that's a, a little footnote. Anyway, back to the mirror. So what is it about the mirror? Basically, it's this. The mirror takes in what's ever before it, the beautiful, the ugly, the friend, the enemy, those we love, those we have no particular feelings. The, media, the mirror takes it in without rejecting anything, without judging anything, without pushing anything away. Whatever appears is in the mirror, becomes the mirror. A mirror without things to reflect, in fact, as Master Menzon will say, is kind of not a mirror, just a piece of glass or even a, an empty piece of stone. It's, it has no purpose. What's a mirror in a dark room? It's not a mirror. A mirror needs things to reflect, but the things reflected and taken in are reflected with such clarity and light and acceptance and equanimity that they're just not as they were before. And our practice is to bring these two, shall we say, ways of experiencing together, the ways of the divided world that I always talk about every time you come here, Danny, same thing, same thing every time you come. I don't know why you keep coming. You get the same thing every time. The divided world, we judge, and it's all broken in pieces, and some things we, we have friction with that we don't like and we're worried. And this, shall we say, wholeness and clarity and light when we stop all the dividing and rejecting and uh, like that. So let's just read a little Menzon and uh, see what he said. This is in his uh, commentary, Jiju, Jiju Zanmai, on uh, Mirror Mind. Practice enlightenment. That's a Dogen term. Enlightenment is our practicing it right now. That's what it means, practice enlightenment. It's not a discovery you have and then you're enlightened and it happens later or you're enlightened and you don't have to practice anymore. Our enlightenment is realized in how we practice right now. If you practice with this wise mind right now, then the wise mind is realized. The mirror is realized now. The mirror is not something that happens later. The mirror is not something that happens more. The mirror is something that happens when in our lives right now, in our attitude, in our wisdom, in our actions, we make real right now. This is Dogen's philosophy, as, by the way, represented by Menzan. Practice enlightenment. So we practice enlightenment. So practice enlightenment right now beyond unen. Unen means with thought. And beyond munen, no thought, can be compared to the function of a mirror. So our mind is filled with thoughts. But there is this clarity and wholeness when we, shall we say, put aside all those thoughts, and those are the thoughts of division and judgment, even the thoughts of before and after, even the thoughts of I'm alive, I'm born, and after I won't be, 
when we drop all those divisions and just see, shall we say, the flowing continuity and wholeness before you divide it all, when you're alive, there's a flowing continuity and wholeness. And after you're not here anymore, there's still the flowing continuity and wholeness. And since you are this flowing continuity and wholeness, you hear me say every time, you don't really go anywhere at all. Even though I'm sorry to say, yeah, part of us does, but okay. The mirror goes on and on. For example, Danny appears in the mirror for a time right? And there is a time, I'm sorry to say that all of us, we're not going to be in the mirror anymore. But guess what, guys, we are the mirror. So as long as the mirror goes on and on, just the image in the mirror has changed. So are we there? Are we not there? Yes, like that. Okay, anyway, Practice enlightenment beyond thought and no thought can be compared to the function of a mirror. A mirror reflects both beautiful and ugly things without distinguishing them. This is the natural function of a mirror. But the reflection, which may be beautiful or ugly, is not the mirror itself. Okay? So... This is a little tricky, but we see all these things in the world. We see beautiful things and ugly things, right? And we see them as separate, separate from ourselves, separate from the mirror. And as long as we see them that way, they are separate. He's advising us to see them as the mirror. The reflection is just a shadow of what's in front of the mirror. If you only see, only see the distinction between the good and evil of thought, and you think it is your original mind, it is the same as if you were to grasp the reflection in the mirror and think it to be the mirror itself. If you only see these things, the good things, the bad things, and that's all you see, we say we're deluded. If we think that the only thing that's real is, like most of us do, we think, I'm here, I think therefore I am, I'm real, that's real, that tree is real, that's what's real. And he's saying we're getting a little caught in kind of a mirage. Okay, that's not the only way we should see things. This is a mistake to think that way. This analogy admonishes us not to get caught up in the distraction of thoughts. And yet, on the other side, if you think that no thought, dropping all thought of me and you and trees and all the other thing, if you think that no thought is your real mind and become attached to the condition of no thought where neither good nor evil arises, it is the same as thinking that where no reflection exists is the mirror itself, and thus becoming attached to the backside of the mirror. For example, if you, if you thought, I gotta find the real mirror, so I'm gonna take everything out of the mirror so there's no reflection. And then I'm gonna pull the, the glass off, 
and just find, you know, the, the back of the mirror. And there I'm going to find the real mirror. You're again missing the mirror. If you think that if I empty my mind of all thoughts, all thoughts of me and you and past and present and tree and the other thing, friend and enemy, then I will find the reality. For most Zen folks, that's like just having a mirror with nothing reflected in it. It's like a canvas, a blank canvas with nothing painted on it. It's like a blank theater screen in the cinema with no film to project on it. What's a, th what's a theater screen with no film? But if you watch the film in the theater and you get so lost in it that you forget it's a movie, which is what we do in our life, you know, we watch, let's say, the scary movie or the sad movie, and we forget it's a story, that's also the delusion, you see. So our practice is to have this wisdom that comes from seeing the light that shines through and yet enjoying the story, enjoying the painting, but not getting so sucked into the painting that we lose all sense of the art and the light in it, you know. Don't get so lost. So our practice for most Zen folks is not to be without thought. And it's not to get lost in thoughts. It's to somehow find this shining something that shines through and the thoughts and the friends and the enemies and the, the birth and the death and the coming and the going is just not the same before as before because this, this clarity and simplicity and just as it isness and fullness and wholeness is somehow shining through. Okay. So if you think that no thought is your real mind and become attached to the condition, it is the same as thinking that where no reflection exists is the mirror itself and thus becoming attached to the backside of the mirror. If the mirror reflects nothing, it is the same as if it were a piece of stone or tile. The function of the light of the mirror is lost. This admonishes you not to get caught up in dullness or muki. Muki means no good, no evil, no thought, that which is neither good nor evil, neutral, empty, kaput, uh, nothing. <laughs> okay, don't get caught in that. I sometimes describe this another way. I say it's like we see life in Buddhist practice in two ways. Out of one eye, we see this world of division and things and good and bad. And of the other eye, we see that all of that is swept up just in the flowing and the wholeness and the clarity and the light, the simplicity, the no birth, no death, the, the somehow this great beauty of it all. All right, that's out of the other eye, right? But clear eyesight requires both sides to be open, both eyes to be open at once, right? So then we see the world out of one eye, which is divided, and the world of the other eye that is whole. And when we open both eyes together, this is a Buddha's eye. This is a Buddha's vision. This is what Minzan is saying here. 
as you know, neither the reflection nor the backside of the mirror is the essential function of the mirror, which, like that of the light, illuminates itself clearly. You must realize that the Buddha's wisdom, like a great and perfect mirror, is far beyond the dichotomy of thought or no thought. It's just something that is shining through thought, no thought. It's both eyes open. This is the Buddha's eye. It's the, the light that shines to allow the picture to be seen. The light that shines to allow the film of our life of this world to be seen. It's this great whole light that shines and is present through all the scenes of comedy and all the scenes of tragedy and all the scenes of birth and all the scenes of death and all the scenes of, you know, you watch the movie about a hundred years ago, the past, and you watch Star Wars about the future. And it's the light that shines through all the scenes of love and loss and everything. Don't lose the light. But if you only have the light, there's also no story. But if you don't have the light, there's no, there's also no story. Find the light and be aware in your practice of the light, the illumination, the wholeness that's shining through all the passing scenes like that. For example, when you sit in Zazen, if your mind does not arise and function, and if you do not see anything, hear anything, or feel any pain or itchiness, <laughs> you just stagnate in emptiness. There are folks who like to meditate, and, and it, we all do sometimes, nothing wrong. Sometimes you go into a very, 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 very deep state where everything literally drops away. Okay, maybe it's similar sometimes to what the twilight sleep the doctors can do for you now, you know. You're kind of there, but not there. You can go into these through meditation, very, very pr profound states of deep, deep samadhi where the world drops away. And they're very interesting. They're very illuminating, literally. It's like only light and the film drops away. You can go into the state where there's only dark and even the light drops away. You can go into very, very deep states. But that's not our Zen way. Our Zen way is not to get caught up in the the world of things, and also not to go so far into the light that we think, oh, the light's real, I'm just going to stay there. That's real meditation. When I get so deep, profoundly deep into the light and everything drops away, that I'm a good meditator. That's not our Zen way, according not only to Menzon, but I was reading Kazon today, and, and he's got a passage where he's also saying, to know the, to know the profundity of no thought, you must know thought. To know the thing that's beyond life and death, you must know life and death. Dogen said it too. To truly know the Buddha's wisdom, you must dive into birth. You must dive into death. It's not found apart from it. It is this crazy mixed up world when seen correctly for the light that's shining through. Okay. So he said, if you're just, if you have no thought, no pain, no itchiness, you just stagnate in emptiness. So when you get a little painful or itchy during Zazen, 
That doesn't mean something's going wrong. That means you're just alive. But try to find the, 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 the light in it before you scratch. <laughs> I'm not telling you not to scratch. I'm not telling you not to move your legs if you need. I'm just telling you, oh, I'm in pain. And there's also a light shining through this, right? Okay. On the contrary, if you see or hear something outside and just think about it, or you just feel pain or itchiness, you know, and you obsess about it, that's not Zazen either. That's going the other extreme. You just stagnate in the distraction caused by the dichotomy of subject and, and object. You see? You see what's going on here? You don't want to get to a place where there's no pain and itchiness or thoughts. You don't want to get lost in the pain and itchiness and thoughts. You want to find the light and wholeness that shines through the times of itchiness and the times of no itchiness and the times of thought and the times of no thought. And there's a light that shines through it all. Okay? And this is why we sit. Both conditions are limited by delusory thoughts. Going to either extreme is not good. Therefore, the third ancestor, Master Sung San in the Xin Xin Ming said, neither follow after objects nor dwell and get lost in emptiness. Rather find the emptiness that is the objects. In this broken world, see also the wholeness that is there. In the, the, the rainy days and sunny days, know that the sun is still shining up there. Yesterday we had no, cloud, no sun, right? It was cold, wet, dark here in Scuba, right? The sun and the moon were still up there. The sky was as blue as it is right now, yesterday, right? No, even in the clouds, the light is still there. You must study this point closely and understand clearly. Just illuminating color, shape, and sound and not adding any discrimination is the Buddha's wisdom. I would maybe add a little to what he said. To see the tree and not judge it is the Buddha's wisdom. To see the stone and not judge it is the Buddha's wisdom. But also to see sometimes our need to judge things and not judge it is the Buddha's wisdom. For example, let's say some people think if I practice Buddhism, I will never be sad. Oh, my cat died. I don't judge it. I have no reaction. Okay? I don't think that's what we're getting at here. If I say my cat died, my life is over, I'm terrible, it's the end. That's also falling into thoughts. If I say my cat died, I will have no reaction. No. That's falling into emptiness. If you can say, my cat died and I'm sad and that's the light is shining through my sadness. It's all right to be sad. It's a time of being sad. The movie is just a sad scene. The movie is now playing a sad scene. It's a sad picture. This is a sad moment, but that's okay because this is the mirror shining. This is the show going on. That, I think, is a kind of wisdom. So I don't think it's telling us. Yesterday we had some tragic news here in Japan. 
the little girl you saw there was a little girl who who drowned i mean you watch it just breaks my heart i have a daughter a little older now but we'll dedicate today to her okay i you don't watch that and i go oh i have no reaction death is just a dream it's just the mirror it's all just a dream i don't i i feel sadness tremendous sadness at that but yet yet somehow there's this other the mirror is there the moon is still shining the light is in it and yes the little girl is gone but the little girl is the mirror and so are you and i and when we can realize the little girl and her parents whose hearts must be broken and you and i and all this world are the mirror the clear light of this shining shining thing that takes it all in that's not the end of the story that's just one face of the story like the movie is not the it's just a face at the moment you understand kind of So anyway, but then he says, no, wait a second, let's not get too much. We're talking about movies and paintings and mirrors. Okay, this only goes so far. You got to experience this. Okay. So he says, uh, the analogy of the mirror is not perfect. He tells a story about trying to show the sun to a a visually impaired man by giving him a, a, a round bowl. And he feels that he says, oh, the sun is round. And then he knocks on the bowl and he goes, oh, the, the sun makes a nice sound because he's never seen the sun. But he gets... You know, so these analogies only go so far. So you, at the end of the next paragraph, he says, you have to be very careful not to misinterpret analogies. You will go astray. I use the analogy of the mirror just to show the relationship between Ninki, a rising thought, and Munen, no thought, and the light beyond thought and no thought. This analogy cannot be applied to the other details. It's just an analogy, he says, which is true. We sit Zazen to experience this, to become the mirror. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's a couple of other movie stories, famous um, mirror uh, koans, which I'm going to uh, read quickly. This is a, both were interpreted by Dogen. Seppo said, my true state is like one face of the eternal mirror. When a foreigner comes, a foreigner appears. When a countryman comes, a countryman appears. In other words, the mirror takes whoever and whatever appears without rejecting friend or foe. So Gensa, his student, I think says, uh, okay, then if suddenly a clear mirror comes along, then what? And Seppo says the foreigner and the countryman both become invisible. So if you just have the mirror, they vanish, the individual people. And uh, then uh, Gensa says, that's not how I experience the mirror. And Seppo says, how is it in your case? How is the mirror in your case? And Gensa says, smashed into hundreds of bits and pieces. And Dogen says, the truth should be expressed like this. So, for example, there's this mirror. It's clear. It's whole. It's flowing. It's beautiful. Uh, there's no, if there's dust on the mirror, it's still the mirror. 
uh, the light shines. But our world is literally this wholeness broken into a trillion, 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 as many atoms of atoms as there are in this universe is this mirror smashed to bits. You're this mirror. I'm this mirror. Every blade of grass is the mirror. Okay. Our mirror, our world appears to be divided bits of things, but it's still the mirror. Don't let the division fool you. Don't get lost into only having to see the wholeness. Know that the division is still the wholeness. The darkness and light of our world is still the light of the mirror. The days of good and days of bad of the world is still this clarity and peace and somehow beauty and wholeness that is the mirror. Don't get lost in one. Don't get lost in the other. See that they are both and somehow leap beyond it too. A monk asked, this is another Cohen, what is the ancient mirror like before being polished? The ancient mirror. What is it like after being polished? The master said, the ancient mirror. Sometimes we lose sight of this mirror because it's so covered in dust. And there was a famous koan in the, in the Hui Nung, the sixth ancestor, about whether you need to polish the world away to find the mirror. And Wei Nung said, there's no place for the dust to alight. I would interpret that to say that, you know, we don't want our mind to get so filled with dust of anger, greed, possessiveness, jealousy, that we lose sight of the mirror. We can have be so filled with dust and darkness and clouds and storms that we lose the clarity, we lose the mirror, okay? But the mirror is still there, even the dust. Even on the cloudiest day, the clear sky is still there. We don't want our mind to be so filled with storms and clouds that we lose the clarity. But I guarantee you the clarity is still there, though your cloudy mind cannot see it. So our zazen lets the mind clear a bit. Let some of the dust drop away. And then we realize the dust and the mirror are not two. The cloud is the sky. The light somehow shines as the rain. Don't think you have to wipe away the clouds to get to the sky. Don't think you have to get all the dust off and get, the, get rid of the division and the foreigner and the countryman to get to the mirror. They are there even when we lose sight of it. Our job, our practice is to not lose sight of it, but to realize that both are the sight. Both are one. Okay, so just to finish up, this, the next couple of paragraphs actually came earlier in Menzon's essay. I just put them at the end because now they make a little more sense that we've talked about the mirror. This actually came right before all the mirror talk. Menzon said, we must closely examine the so-called human mind. The human mind manifests as anger, as ignorance, divided thinking, as greed, jealousy, and all the rest. These three poisonous minds may be divided into good and evil. When they work in evil ways, anger brings about hells within us, right? 
Ignorance brings about the realm of animals. We start acting like animals. I, I, he's not, I don't think he's talking here about rebirth in another life. I mean, he's talking about right now. When we're filled with anger, hell manifests right now. When we act divided thoughts and ignorance and pulled just by, by our hungers and instincts, our, right? Our, our excess desires. We act like animals. Greed brings about the realm of hungry ghosts in this life. We're never satisfied. Okay? That's what we usually are. Never satisfied. Something's missing. I'm angry. Uh, I'm jealous of this one. I, I, I envy that one. I, I wish my life was this other person's life. I wish things were different. Right? This is to be a human being. And I'm not going to say I escape it either, you know. I, I go around the YouTube and I go, oh, you know, that guy got, got a nice life. I wish I was doing what he's doing, you know. And then I realize, hey, your life's pretty good too. So, you see. But to be human is to be filled with this greed, anger, and ignorance, okay? And we get lost in it. But the other extent, no good either. When the mind does not function the condition is known as muki. Muki is kind of like your car engine before you turn the key. You know, what's a car before you turn the key? It's not going anywhere, right? Um, it's a it's an empty pot before you cook. It's a, a blank canvas. It's all these things. Muki. If you are attached to this condition, you will leave these three worlds and the the, the all this animals and hell. Yeah, you will. You'll get beyond it. But that's the way of a non-Buddhist or what he calls the Hinayana practitioner. They want to get so far beyond this world and drop this world so far away. Yeah, they're going to get something. They're going to escape this world. Okay? But that's not it either. That is not the way to attain Buddhahood, says Menzon, speaking on behalf of the Zen Teachers Union, speaking for all of us. This is because the attitudes of such people are all limited by emotions and thoughts of a illusory mind on both extremes. The one mind which manifests as either unen, having thought, or munen, no thought, not good, not evil, must be something which is somehow transcendent of these conditions. It says beyond, but I think it's more like transcendent or imminent, somehow it transcends it and it's more than it, but it's right in them too. It's imminent in them too. Okay, it's not apart from them, but it's not them, it's somehow shines through them. It is them, in, it's imminent in them. It must be the light which illuminates everywhere and is never clouded. As soon as you become aware of this light, which shines through the picture, which shines through the film of this world, which shines through the darkness of the stormiest day, which shines through your saddest moment, which shines through your cat dying or the little child even. As soon as you're aware of this light, you will be released from the limitation of delusory thoughts and the Buddha's wisdom will be realized. This is called Nehan Myoshin. The marvelous mind in nirvana. See, for the Zen folks, nirvana is not this place you get to 
to escape. Nirvana is this realization you have about this crazy world where we are. Nirvana is right here. Form is no other than emptiness. Emptiness no other than form, right? Or as uh, we sometimes say, the pure land is realized right here like this. In this somehow so difficult life somehow is the light. This is nothing other than ji ju yu zanmai, which is what the, the samadhi, which is not a samadhi so profound that you get, again, samadhi means a deep, peaceful, concentrated state. And it can be very deep and peaceful and concentrated. And we get that way sometimes. And some Zen teachers I, I've seen try to encourage these deep, deep, concentrated states. And the more deep you get, the better. That's not quite our way. There are deep times, not so deep times. But the samadhi he's talking about here is this realization that's kind of somehow this everything is just doing itself freely. That's what Jijuyu means. It's this realization of everything just being itself freely in this wholeness that's also this crazy world. It's Shakyamuni six years of sitting. This is Bodhidharma's nine years of facing the wall. This is what Dogen's teacher Tendo Nyojo meant as Shikantaza. All are examples of the practice enlightenment of this samadhi. Okay? That's why we use this mirror analogy. So when we sit, and next time you sit and you go, oh, a thought comes. The thought's not your enemy. Do not get tangled in the thought. Neither try to run away. But is there a clarity, a peace, a wholeness that shines as the thought? That's good. Shikantaza. Okay? Okay, that's all I got. Well, we're going we're gonna to close the sutras. Next is going to be something joyful. We're going to dance. And I, I say we have to do that too. This world is sadness and happiness, and we're going to dance, okay? It will not stop us dancing. Thank you for joining us for the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast Zazen, retreats, discussion, Jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.